This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Even from the seats in the upper decks, you can see the seashore. Tailgate function with the cornea side. Just walk from the tribal building for the Padres. I'm on it. Yeah, because for the 619, we'll knock you down. Anything for the brown. Put it on the town. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knocking them down. Baby says you want to go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 270 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. It is November 4th. It's the off day, or one of the off days in the World Series. What a game that was last night. Astros pull it out. They are up three games to two now, going to game six in Houston. Great defense. They had Jeremy Pena have his probably best night of his career, it feels like. Um... They're, they got things rolling, and they have their home crowd behind them going into game six. So we'll see how that ends up uh, unfolding. Game six on Saturday, tomorrow at, I think, 5 o'clock, same time every night. Uh, today, I wanted to talk about Kodai Senga a little bit. I know I'm doing player reviews, and I will do player reviews, a couple of them today. Jake Cronenworth, Hassan Kim. So that's going to be fun to talk about their seasons. Uh, but I wanted to start off with Kodai Senga here because the New York Post, they it was John Heyman who wrote the article. They put out yesterday, I believe, a top 30 free agent ranking. And the, there were the typical names you'd expect to be on there. You know, Jacob deGrom, Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, uh, Aaron Judge, right? All those names. Uh, and I wanted to see if the Padres were a potential fit for these guys, or if John Heyman thought 
or the expert that was also doing this alongside John Heyman thought that the Padres were a fit for these free agents. Um, and one that came up was Kodai Senga. I, even if the Padres weren't listed as a fit for Kodai Senga, I would have still thought right now as I'm speaking that the Padres are a fit. You know, Hassan Kim and Darvish, Senga you know, looks up to Darvish. I think they're a fit. I, I think money-wise, um, they could afford that back at the rotation. And that's exact. I mean, according to this expert and his prediction, they can afford that. Um, and if this ends up being that price tag, uh, which was five years, $65 million for Kodai Senga, sign me up for that to be the back end, be a back end starter. Um, you know, it's not a guarantee. Yeah, it was great that Darvish and Snell and Musgrove, they were there for the postseason this year and they were able to stay healthy most of the year. Um, and they were a great top three, but that's not a guarantee in 2023. So having a guy like Senga that can be a top three starter if something happens, and he can be a four starter or a five starter if they bring back Nick Martinez. Uh, I would love to have Kode Senga on this Padres team. And so the potential teams that were listed in this New York Post uh, article by John Heyman uh, as potential fits were the Padres. They were the first team. There's the Cubs, who say Suzuki, they just brought him in, but I don't know how ready they are to win right now. Uh, the Giants, who maybe if they don't get Judge, maybe they'll spend on Zenga. Uh, they also have Rodon, Carlos Rodon, who is going to probably opt out of that player option, and he's going to be a free agent, so do they want to bring him back? Uh, they also have Brandon Belt, I think, is a free agent too. Um, so... The Giants are another fit. You had the Rangers. Um, they just brought in Bruce Bochy. Bochy's not going to be there to rebuild, right? Uh, you have the Mariners, who I thought they were the second best team in the American League. I know the Yankees got to the ALCS, but the Mariners, I mean, they fought the Astros. Uh, obviously, they had that 18-inning game in the uh, the ALDS. The Astros, I mean, with their pitching, you add Senga to that. Holy cow, that would be a stacked rotation. Uh, the Mets were the final fit, the potential team, uh, according to this article, according to John Heyman here. Uh, and I think they're a fit if, like, Bassett leaves. He's a free agent. Uh, DeGrom's a free agent. Uh, I expect DeGrom to go back to the Mets. I, I'd probably be shocked if he goes somewhere else. With Steve Cohen, all that money, like, he's the guy you lock down. Him and Diaz, probably, Edwin Diaz. Uh, I'd be surprised if he is not a Met. So let's say they lock him down, but they don't bring back Bassett. Then Senga might be a team there. Uh, but those were the fits. Padres, Cubs, Giants, Rangers, Mariners, Mets. There are probably other fits, but those were the potential teams that were listed in this article. The Padres, I mean, they were the first team listed here. It wasn't in alphabetical order or anything like that. It was just fits. Uh, and five years, $65 million, a $13 million average annual value uh, for Senga was the expert's prediction. It's I guess it's, this is a anonymous expert here that was making this. Uh, I, I like that price tag. Now, Say Suzuki last offseason, if you remember, we thought that his price tag was going to be less than what he ended up getting from the Cubs. Uh, I forget what the actual value was, but it seemed like, when Seiya signed with the Cubs, it was like, all right, well, I'm fine to have Profar as the left fielder right now because that was an overpay. 
I'm not giving that to say Suzuki. If that happens with Senga, okay, then you can let him go to another team. Uh, but five years, 65 million, 13 million or AAV for a guy that could be your four starter. Um, and he had a one nine four ERA last year for the soft Bangkoks. Uh, he has a Darvish like delivery looks up to him. I mean, you can go look up on my Twitter uh, at talking friars. I quote tweeted uh, Rob Freeman pitching ninja and the overlay of the fastball and one of his breaking balls. That is absolutely nasty. What he has going there. So he could be a very uh, big impact arm for the Padres next year. And if it's a five-year deal, uh, maybe it's in the five-year range. If so, he could be an impact starter for years and years to come. And you don't know with Blake Snell and you Darvish. I want them to work out an extension with Darvish. I don't know about Snell. They're not guarantees to come back at the end of next season, right? So you want to have, you want to be able to have some rotation arms, you know, guaranteed for these next few years to come before like the Dylan Lescos are, you know, ready to come up. Um, so those are my thoughts on Kodai Senga. Again, he was ranked as the 13th best free agent by the New York Post uh, behind, you know, Judge, DeGrom, Turner, guys like that. Correa, I think they had Carlos Correa's number one, I want to say. Um, so he, he's not like the best free agent out there, but the Padres need back end help and he could definitely help the Padres. I will obviously, after this world series is done, I will get more into free agency and trades and probably start off with the player options because that's what has to get out of the way first five days after the world series ends. That's the player option. I think club option window as well. Um, and then we'll get into real free agency and trades and all that. Uh, but during this World Series and the rest of this postseason, I've just been doing player reviews because I wanted consistent Padres content every day. And the Padres had a good season, right? A really good season, a successful season in my mind. Uh, disappointing ending, but a successful season nonetheless. And so I thought it was good to go over these Padres seasons and uh, look back because that's what we can do right now. Um, there's two other teams playing right now, and you wish you were one of them, uh, but still want to talk Padres. Um, I'll get through the chat here. I do see some chat questions and comments, so I appreciate you guys for being here live on YouTube. I encourage you to hit that subscribe button, like this video if you're on YouTube, and uh, turn the notifications on so you don't miss when I go live. Uh, and the podcast platforms, this is also available, Spotify, Apple Podcast. it will be when I upload it after this. Um, by the way, this episode brought to you by Gaglion Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. Gaglionbros.com is the website. Uh, I definitely recommend you check those guys out. Great cheesesteaks, fries, cheese fries. Uh, they got a lot of good stuff there. Uh, their main location is on Friars Road uh, and inside Peco Park, Snapdragon Stadium uh, when events are held there. MLS team, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw that, but Looks like San Diego might be getting an MLS team. The MLS is going to be making, hopefully making a decision on that first half of 2023. Uh, and Vegas seems a little bit away. They still need to make a stadium or, or an arena for that team. And it looks like San Diego's in prime position to be that 30th expansion team for the MLS. I know this isn't an MLS podcast or anything, but uh, that was in San Diego Sports News uh, yesterday. All right, let's get to some people in the chat here. 
Cameron asks, how do you feel about Cronenworth jury? Uh, oh, sorry. How do you feel about the Cronenworth jury combo at first, depending on the pitcher since they are lefty and righty? So you'd have Tatis at short and Kim at second, I assume, in this scenario. Uh, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Um, I think, so you'd have Cronenworth at first and maybe you have jury DHing. I know depending on the pitcher, so you want maybe jury not even hitting against righties because he hits well against lefties. Uh, but Cronenworth, I mean, I want him playing every day. And I think this is a good transition into Jake Cronenworth's numbers here. I'll get to the rest of the chat later. But he played this year 158 games. I mean, this guy plays every day. He's not someone where I see a platoon happening. Uh, maybe you say you put like Tatis in the outfield or you don't play Kim when there's a lefty on the mound and you have Cronenworth play second and Drury play first. But for me, I want Jake in the lineup every day. That's who this guy is back-to-back all-stars like this guy's an everyday player you're not going to platoon jake cronenworth um in the situation cameron that you bring up here uh about cronenworth jury combo at first i mean that i don't see happening if that means that the other guy that's not playing he's just not hitting like cronenworth's going to be in there every day Uh, i don't think that's someone that you platoon uh and I think he's in there every day defensively too, first base or second base. Like this guy is very, very good defensively. He was a Gold Glove finalist, Gold Glove finalist this year at second base. There's some arguments that he maybe could have won it. Um, I think there's more arguments that Kim should have won at shortstop than Crony at second. But uh, I mean, he's a tremendous infielder, and I don't think you just take him off the field for a combination. Uh, but it could happen, like at first base, a combo depending on where other guys are on the field and stuff. But Cronenworth, I think, is in the lineup every day. Um, Let's get to Jake Cronenworth's 2022 season. I'll get to the rest of the chat as well. Um, Jake, this year, 4.2 Fangraphs war. Um, Part of the reason why I kind of get stunned when people want to try to devalue him uh, and people – you know, and my mentions are like Cronenworth lists, you know, when he had the bad wildcard series against the Mets, uh, he didn't get a hit and everyone's like, oh, should Cronenworth not play here? Like, I think that was kind of um, really, uh, not kind of, really reactionary. And that's just not something that we should have even considered. Or that's something I wasn't even considering. Uh, and that ended up being right because Jake hit like 500 in the NLDS and he hit 333 combined, the DS and the NLCS, uh, hit a home run, uh, six runs driven in, 11 hits in those two series. I mean, like, Bob Melvin has faith in his guys, and he's definitely going to continue to have faith in Jay Cronenworth despite a three-game bad stretch. I mean, this guy went through slumps this year. He didn't start off this season uh, very great at the plate. I mean... I think at one time, I remember listening to the broadcast and Don talking about how Crony had the worst batting average at home or something to start the season or something. It was something like that. So he struggled to start the, to start 2022, but he ends up with a war over four still, 158 games played, 240 average. You'd like that to be higher. Um, hopefully going into next year, his swing will be more level 
I think that he tried to have some launch angle, more launch angle this year. And that was part of the reason why he wasn't as successful at the beginning of the year. He was kind of working through that. Uh, but he still finished with a very good year. 333 on base percentage, 394 slug. OPS plus, the league average is 100. It was 113 for him. 88 runs scored, 88 runs driven in. 17 home runs, gold glove finalist. Uh, he had 17 more runs driven in in the regular season this year compared to 2021. Um, he only had three home runs. Like you go back to the struggles, right? He only had three home runs in the first two months of the season. I think if you, well, if you combine March and April and then May, three home runs. But then he finished it off last two months of the regular season with eight home runs. Like He improved as the season went on. Again, he was another all-star. He improved. He was getting hot going into that all-star break, so I think that helped him getting into the all-star game as well. Uh, as a sub, I believe Jazz Chisholm didn't play, and so Crony got in. Um, look, going back to that jury question there, like, jury, regardless if he's on the team or not, like, Crony's going to play every day. Uh, he's like Manny. He's going to play every day. That's just – I'm not saying Crony's as good as Manny. Manny was the MVP this year, in my opinion. But – He's on that same level. He's he's viewed by the Padres um, on that same like level, like or he's in that same tier, if that makes sense, of guys that are going to play every day. That is Cronenworth. That is Manny. That is Tatis when he's healthy, or almost every day. If he's not playing on the field, it'll probably DH. Uh, Kim maybe depending on where they put Tatis. Like those are the guys. Nola is another one that's going to play pro- almost every day, probably Soto every day, right? Uh, there's just that tier of guys that play that are going to play every day and crony's in that group. Um, so for his 2022 season, I mean, I was proud of the way that he finished, right? Uh, like, yeah, everyone's going to go through struggles and he started off the season. Not great, but it's the way you finished. And he provided us with memories that we're never going to forget, or at least personally memories I'm never going to forget. Um, I mean, I met him earlier this year. That was really cool. Really nice guy. Um, and then in the postseason, obviously that home run that he hit against the Dodgers, that bomb in game two, holy cow. I know that was, it was, it was an insurance run. It wasn't the go ahead run or anything, but that was an absolute bomb. Uh, got me off of my couch there. Um, and then game four, obviously he comes or game two, hang on. Before we get to game four, continuing with game two, he has he was huge in game two. He makes that good tag on the Nola throw to Namuki, which would have been the game-tying run in scoring position at that time. He plays a part in that big double play with Robert Suarez in the sixth inning, right? Or was it the fifth? I think it was the sixth. Those innings are kind of jumbled in my mind. Uh, I remember everything that happened, but the innings, it's kind of like, eh. It's just... It's hard to remember every single inning, but I remember all the plays. Uh, he had the ground ball to first base that made that gave the Padres the lead, I believe, at that point. Was it 3-2, I think? Uh, and then he scores – or no, I think that tied the game. That might have tied the game. He comes through and scores on Profar's go-ahead single that made it 4-3 after the Trey Turner error, and then he hits the home run. Like, he – he was huge scoring runs, driving in runs, just doing his job. Um, he was huge in that game. And then you go to game four. Um, 
was it game three? He had an RBI single, I think, to start off. Or no, I think that was game four as well. I think he had the RBI single, right, to center uh, to give the Padres a lead, I think, for their first run of the game. It might have been game three, actually. It might have been game three. Uh, but he did come through with that. And then, obviously, we know we're going to remember this for the rest of our lives. Game four, seventh inning. You already had Kim's double down the line. You already had Nola. Well, that was Nola was before Kim. You already had Nola having a single to first base. And you already had Soto, game-tying hit to right. His big One of his big Padre moments, right? Uh, and then Crony come, comes up, 3-3 game. Was it Trinan on the mound? Um, and he delivers with the single up the middle. 5-3, the fist bumps. Peco Park was shaking after that moment. I was up in section 323, so I could definitely feel it shaking and just looking around that place and everyone going nuts, uh, slaying the dragon. I mean, that, that's something that I'm never going to probably forget. Um, I'm not, not even probably, probably, I'm not going to forget that. Uh, Dodger fans can be all like, you didn't win the World Series, you still got eliminated, but they're just mad that we eliminated them. And they won 111 games and they were 14 and five. Was it right in the regular season against the Padres? And that all didn't matter. They ended up losing to the Padres when it mattered most. And uh, that was just a great moment. You know, Jake Cronenworth coming through there. No guy that I wanted to come through more than him in that moment. You had Musgrove starting that game. Uh, That was just one of the best nights of, uh, my life definitely that that was huge um so great year from crony i think and i think it can get even better next year if he's consistent at the plate if he continues to have more of a level swing um throughout the season i think he could have another all-star season definitely um and he's going to be in the middle of that Padres lineup uh Hassan kim 3.7 fan graphs war i mean this is another guy that i'm very proud of for what he did in 2022 coming in for Fernando uh, you knew that he was going to be the starting shortstop to at least start the year. We didn't know that he was going to be the starting shortstop for the entirety of the season. And obviously Fernando let us down. And I think it's fair to say part of the reason why the Padres aren't in the world series is because of Fernando. Sorry. He's one of the best players on the planet. And so I think it, it would be dumb to not mention him. Uh, and he let the team down this year. I'm always going to remember that, but I'm going to be rooting my butt up for him uh, in 2023. I can't wait for him to return on April 20th or, what, or you know, whenever he does return, right? Um, and I know this is going off on a tangent here and not on Hassan Kim, talking about Hassan Kim, but all this Twitter discourse about where Tatis plays in 2023, I don't really care about that right now. Uh, us discussing that before we know who's on the team going into spring training doesn't make sense because I think Preller doesn't even know what position Tatis is going to play. But with that said, I'm just excited for Fernando to return because I think he can help the Padres win. Um, and that's what I want. I want the Padres to win. Right. So yeah, I will always remember what Fernando did in 2022 and he lessened the Padres chances of winning, but I'm also going to remember Hassan came out a tremendous year filling in for Fernando and I think we should all be very happy for the year that Kim had and he played himself into 
the conversation to be the starting shortstop next year, even when Fernando comes back. Again, depending on the roster, um, the Padres probably don't even know who the starting shortstop is when Tatis is healthy, right? Uh, and that's part of the reason because of that is because Kim had a tremendous year. 150 games played like him, uh, Crony, and Manny, like they were the Iron Men of this team. 251 average, 325 on base percentage, 383 slug, a 107 OPS plus. That was above league average, obviously, with league average being 100. 58 runs scored, 59 runs driven in, 11 home runs, gold glove finalist. I mean, there's a lot of positives. Last two months of the year had an OPS of 729, which is kind of where you want it to be, uh, 700 to 800, somewhere around that range. And obviously the great players, they have it above that. Um, his average, his on-base percentage, his slugging percentage, his OPS, his OPS plus, uh, they all improved compared to 2021. His K rate went down. His walk rate increased compared to 2021. I mean, I, I can't really say a whole lot of negatives, really, about Hassan Kim's season. Like, sure, there were some points where it felt like he was striking out maybe too much, but if you look at the season as a whole, his K rate went down and he came up with big hits in the postseason at times. You look at that Dodger game four, the double down the line. That was huge, obviously. Right. Uh, and he played tremendous defense. Like he definitely had, uh, he, he, he definitely had, um, a reason like you could definitely have an argument. He had an argument to win the gold glove this year. I mean, when you look back at, like, Dansby, 341 more innings than Kim in 2022. One fewer defensive runs saved than Kim, right? Kim had, I think, 10. Swanson had 9. Like, he had a tremendous year defensively. So he definitely has an argument to have won that gold glove, but they went to Swanson. And, uh, look, the gold glove, I don't know how much we want to care about that, to be honest. Like, when Padres win it, when Grish won it, I was happy for him. It's still an accomplishment, right? We know how good defensively Trent is, but, you know, when Manny's not nominated, Profar wasn't nominated, I mean, I can't take that award too seriously. I'm going to look at the numbers, and I, what I see, Kim had a tremendous year filling in for Fernando Tatis Jr. He probably outperformed my expectations going into the season. Uh, if you were to tell me Fernando's going to be out the entire year and Hassan Kim is going to play, all season long. And you tell me that he's going to produce a 3-7 Fangraphs war, play 150 games, um, and his average is on base percentage, slugging, OPS, OPS plus, walk rate, they were all going to be better compared to his first season with the Padres. I'd say sign me up. He's a gold glove finalist. I'd say sign me up. Um, he was leading off some games, and then there were some games where he was hitting seventh and still provided an impact, right? Look, Nothing against Kim. I would have rather had Tatis there, right? But he filled those shoes. Um, well, he didn't hit 40-plus home runs like Tatis did in 2021, but he did his best to fill those gigantic Tatis shoes, if that makes sense. So Kim, Cronenworth, very proud of their 2022 seasons. I think both of their seasons were a success, uh, and hopefully they keep building on this for 2023. And I'm very confident in Kim as the starting shortstop to start 2023. We know he's going to be the starting shortstop to start 2023 because 
Tatis is still going to be serving that suspension. He still has 20 more games to serve in that suspension. Um, so there's my, those are my player reviews and I'll finish with the chat here. Uh, Caitlin asks, do you think we have a chance of getting Otani? Everyone on Twitter seems to think so. No, I don't. I think spending our time on Otani, I think that's a waste of time. Sure. It's fun to talk about, but you can't compare this to Juan Soto. Like, Fans might, well, we got Juan Soto. AJ went out and got Juan Soto. So why can't we go get Otani? Because we got Soto. We used that prospect capital, Abrams, Gore, uh, Hassel, Wood. We used all that. Uh, Susanna, we used that. Voight, we used that on getting Bell and Soto. So what would we have to offer the Angels? Jackson Merrill? Do we want to give up Jackson Merrill for one year of Otani when it's not guaranteed that he's going to come back in free agency? No. Uh, and we're trying to give Juan Soto, you know, maybe $500 million, right. in an extension. So you got to pay one of those guys, probably only one of those guys. I know Peter, you know, with that quote that he had last week or whenever that was, I like spending money. You can't take it with you. I love that mentality, but at some point you can't just give out $500 million contracts, right? It has to stop somewhere. Right. Um, so no, I don't think we're going to get Otani to answer that. Yeah. People on Twitter, they're just trying to put stuff out there and they're trying to just think of different scenarios. I don't see that happening. Personally, I don't think it's worth it for one year of Otani. Sure, you, you go all in, but this Padre team got to the NLCS this year. If they bring back Nick Martinez, they bring in Senga or someone else to, for the back of the rotation and it's an improved rotation, you bring back someone, if it's not Suarez, you bring back someone uh, in, the, in the back end of that bullpen and maybe Drew Pomerantz can be healthy a little bit this year and uh, you still have Bob Melvin obviously you still have that great coaching staff in left field the profile comes back okay if he doesn't maybe you move Tatis to the outfield or you bring in like David Peralta like this still is a very good team without Otani I don't think you need to give up a bunch of prospect capital your best prospect and give up Campy for one year of Otani Otani's great he would fill power hole and pitching hole. He's an ace, but I don't think you need to do that. Uh, Mike says, I don't know who will be available in free agency or trade, but the Padres must get another quality number three starter. Uh, Senga could be that guy. Uh, Nick Martinez at times maybe could be that guy. I don't think they need another number three starter. Like Snell's the number three starter. It's Darvish, Musgrove, and Snell. I think they need four and five starters and maybe a sixth if they want depth because I don't know how much they trust Reese Kinnear and Jay Groom yet. And I don't know if they have much hope in Ryan Weathers coming back, you know, bouncing back. He didn't have a great year last year. So, uh, and I mean, Manai and Clevenger are options, but I'm not even talking about them because personally, I'd rather see someone else. I mean, I guess I'm open to bringing back Manaya. But I don't really want to bring back Clevenger and, um, you know, with the injuries and stuff. And uh, I'd just rather see different four or five starters, whether that's Martinez and someone else. Morhone's another guy um, that I don't think they fully trust to be a starter. I mean, he has like less than 40 innings as his career high in the big leagues. You're not going to put him as the five starter, I wouldn't think, and say, go give me 150 innings, right? Can't count on that. They need four and five starters. That's what I would say. 
Yeah, Christopher says, I think Saya got 85 mil. I do like the potential for Sango. Hopefully we can sign him. That does sound about right. Was it five years, 85 million? I'm doing this on my iPad, so I don't have my microphone. Or I do have it, but it's not plugged in because I can't plug it into my iPad. Uh, my computer's broken, so I'm going to be without it for like four weeks. So just bear with me here with that. Um, yeah, I think I think it was 85 million. That number does feel about right. You know, now that you say that, uh, I hope that we can sign him too. Yeah. I, again, I, I'd definitely be open for five years, 65 million. That's for sure. Oh, sorry. The chat just reset here. Let me scroll back up. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mike says, finding out which players are moving on early is a must so we can move on before the best fits for us are taken. Yeah. Um, well, that's what part of the player options, right? That, that's what that's for, right? The first five days after the World Series. Is Profar gone? Okay, well then, maybe they start thinking about Tatis in the outfield more. Uh, if Profar is gone, do they pivot? Do they stick with Tatis in the infield and then they go with left field? Um, you know, start bring, you know, whether that's Conforto or, because he didn't play last year, but Conforto or Peralta, uh, or do they go trades like Max Kepler, maybe? Um, I'm just throwing out names. I'm, I don't, this is just me, you know, just throwing out names. I'm not predicting anything, uh, but just possible solutions. Uh, but yeah, finding out which players are moving on is a must. Yeah. That's a must for every team. You know, if Nick Martinez, if he's going to, well, he might not move on just because he opts out of the player or declines the player option. Same thing with Suarez. He could return. Uh, but like Profar, if he declines the player option, which everyone expects him to, I don't really expect him re to return. I don't think the Padres are going to give him like 12 million a year, definitely not 15 million a year or 18 million a year, like Keith Law was suggesting the other day. Uh, but yeah, like finding out if Profar is going to be here, like that's a big thing. Um, finding out if Suarez, if Suarez declines it, which he will, they'll probably try to bring him back, but I don't know how high they're willing to, or how much a year, how many years they're willing to give him, how much money they're willing to give him. Like AJ, I don't think that they'd bring back Suarez, to be honest. Um, just my gut. 
AJ has a history of bringing in relievers for lower salaries, and he's pretty darn good at it, you know? Um, yeah, JT Snod says maybe Conforto on a prove-it deal would be good. Yeah, maybe. Um, as your starting left fielder or starting right fielder, if you want to move Soto to left, I don't know about that. Um, maybe as a as your fourth outfielder, if it's a prove-it deal, I don't know if you want him starting after the injuries, right? And him being all out of, you know, not playing all last year. Um, Christopher says, I wonder how early Jackson Merrill will come up. Been hearing good things about him. It would be huge to have one of our remaining prize prospects to find success with us as a major leaguer. I agree about finding success with a major prospect. Yeah. Um, you know, Gore, it looked like he was going to have success and he very might well with Washington, but they traded him, right? Uh, I'm fine with that because they got Soto, but they did trade him. CJ Abrams, there were some bright spots, traded him to the Nationals, and he looked like he was playing really good with them to end that season. Um, Patino, they traded to the Rays, right? For Snell. Um, Mejia, he wasn't a prospect, but they dealt him. Um, Renfro, they traded him before his contract was up. Like, there's a lot of guys that they've traded, top prospects. Uh, James Wood, Hassel, uh, before we've seen what they can really do with the Padres long term. Um, so, yeah, I think Jackson Merrill, they'll try to hang on to him. But it is A.J. Preller. Like, the majority of this roster this year, it was not prospects that they brought up. It was trades. It was free agent signings. It was Preller going out and getting them um, and not develop, developing them into major leaguers, right? So, um, yeah. I hope to have Jackson Merrill up at the big leagues. I don't know how early that's going to be. I don't think it will be this year. I Maybe not even next year, to be honest, depending on what the roster looks like. Like middle infield, they have Kim and Crony and Tatis all under contract, at least through next year. And Merrill's a middle infielder, so I don't know if they really want to bring him up then, right, and start the service time. So maybe you're looking at 2020, what, 2025? I don't know what his expected arrival time is, but I know he's playing in the fall league right now. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I, I've seen good things about him. I'm excited to see what he can do going forward and continue to uh, develop. Alex says, you see us getting guys, maybe Seth Brown or Sean Murphy. Bomo loves those guys or loves his guys. Uh, Sean, I mean, I see a lot of stuff about Sean Murphy on social media and yeah, the A's connection and all that. And Sean Murphy would be an upgrade. He's not, like, uh, expensive, right? No ace players are expensive. But I kind of go back to my point of, well, they have Austin Nola. They're confident in him. They had him catch every postseason game. I think they're confident in Campy, at least uh, for him to continue to develop and be a backup catcher. I, I don't know if – I don't think they're really confident in Alfaro anymore. Uh, so maybe he could get traded for Murphy and they add someone else in there. But they need to fill other holes right now other than just catcher. Um, like, they don't need to fill the catcher hole. I don't think there's a hole there. There's literally holes in left field. They don't know who their left fielder is right now because Profar is the player option, right? They don't know who their first baseman's going to be or their DH, right? They need to fill those holes. They don't know who their fourth and fifth starters are going to be. They don't know who their eighth inning guy is going to be or seventh inning guy. If Garcia moves to the eighth inning, 
They need to fill, literally fill those holes first before you start thinking, oh, let's let's replace Austin Nola, you know, and have him be a backup catcher or send him to the A's. So I don't see us getting them. Uh, I think they liked Austin Nola as the starting catcher, to be honest. And I don't think that they find it as like a bad scenario if Nola's the nine hitter in the lineup and Grisham's the eight hitter or Grisham nine and Nola eight next year. If that's their eight, nine guys, I think they're fine with that, to be honest. Uh, Hawkeye Digger says we need Grish to step up. I feel he will be better with the shift ban. Hopefully he can be our leadoff guy. We don't really have one. That's true. But if Profar comes back, then he'll probably lead off next year uh, to start. And then when Tatis comes back, I think Tatis is the leadoff here. You go Tatis, Soto, uh, Manny, and then you, depending on who they add this offseason, then you go with them probably as power hitters. And then you can go Crony, Kim, uh, Grisham, Nola, you know. So that's probably what would happen. But yeah, I agree. Uh, Grish needs to have a better offensive season next year. He performed well. Mr. October, I called him, in the postseason. Uh, definitely in the wildcard series and the NLDS. Slowed down there in the NLCS, obviously. But yeah, um, do what he did. Maybe not even do what he did in the wildcard series and division series. He went bonkers during those series. But just show some more power next year consistently. Uh, get on base more consistently. Don't strike out as much. And I think the Padres will be in a good spot in center field if he's the starting center fielder. Because we know what he's going to provide defensively. We know he's a gold glove center fielder. Two-time gold glove center fielder. 2020 was not a fluke because he won this year. Um, SD Padres asks, what do you think about DeGrom going to the Padres if he opts out? Well, one, he's going to opt out. He's already told the media that he's going to opt out. Uh, Mark Canna, who's his teammate with the Mets or was his teammate. Um, he says that DeGrom wants to, or likes being in New York. I see him staying with the Mets, even when he opts out, cause he's going to opt out when he opts out with the Mets. I see him coming back to the Mets, Steve Cohen. He's not going to let Jacob DeGrom get away. I don't think there's reports out there that DeGrom's not even there. Like their big focus. It's like Diaz and Nimmo. Uh, but I, I don't see DeGrom going anywhere else. I think the Dodgers are going to offer him big money, short-term big money, kind of like they did with Bryce Harper. Um, I think other teams are obviously going to offer Jacob DeGrom big money, but I, I don't think the Padres would do that. They still got to work out an extension if they want one with you, Darvish. They still got to spend money on Juan Soto for an extension, and they got to fill other holes. Like They have aces. They have Musgrove. They have Snell. They have Darvish, right? They have that. They need to go fill left fielder and bullpen and back of the rotation, right? DeGrom would be great. Obviously, I would love him, right? When he's on, he's the best pitcher in baseball, I, I think. Um, but I, I don't think the Padres are going to be even thinking about DeGrom. Like, Preller's going to give a phone call to his agent, but I see DeGrom staying with the Mets personally. Personally. Uh, Dylan asked, could Trey Mancini be a cheap option at first? He slumped with the Astros this year and he can also play left field. He can DH, he can play left. Yeah, I, I think he played right a little bit as well. I'd be open to bringing Trey Mancini in. Yeah. Um, made a great play defensively last night in the World Series. Holy cow. That might have actually worked out for the Astros because if you think about it, Guriel, 
he gets hurt, you don't want to see someone get hurt, you know, with the knee injury on the rundown and they got hit in the head. But does he make that play? I don't know. They bring Mancini in. He makes that play in the eighth on the Schwarber smashed ground ball. Uh, and they get out of that inning and they end up winning that game. Uh, three to two, I think it was. That's what it was. Um, yeah, I, I'd be, I'd, I'd like having Trey Mancini as a Padre. Um, his story, I think, is great. You know, having cancer, battling back from that. And, I mean, he played well with the Orioles. He was loved there. Seems like a great guy. Uh, would I rather have Mancini or Drury? I know you didn't ask that, but that's just the question that comes to mind. Probably Drury, but no, Mancini is not a bad option, uh, I don't think. To, to be a, the DH, um, to come, I don't think he would come off the bench, to be honest. I think he wants to start. But yeah, I, I'd definitely be open to Trey Mancini, that's for sure. All right, got through a lot there. Kodai Senga talk, Cronenworth, Kim what the Padres might do in the off season. Uh, a lot of stuff there. Thank you so much for tuning in here. Episode 270 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. I'll be back tomorrow with more player reviews and more Padre reports, rumors, if anything comes up. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a good one. See ya.